Many who are calling for change in Syria have drawn inspiration from the leaders of other Arab Spring revolts. One of them is Wael Ghanim. He was a key figure in the protest movement in Egypt. At the time, he was an executive with Google. Ghanim describes his experiences in a new book called Revolution 2.0. His involvement in the revolution began with a Facebook page critical of the Egyptian police. Then in mid-January of last year, he posted a message inviting Egyptians to gather in protest on January 25th a date set aside each year in Egypt as Police Day. His call helped organize the first protests in Cairo's Tahrir Square. I asked Onim what he was doing exactly one year ago today. I was in Dubai at the time. I was sitting down in my small study room campaigning for 25th of January. The call to take to the streets started on the 14th. When I said today is the 14th, the Police Day is on the 25th, if 100,000 Egyptians took to the streets of Cairo, we're going to achieve what we all want. And at the time, after Tunisia, what we wanted was Mubarak to follow Ben Ali. So uh, I was sitting down campaigning and asking Egyptians on Facebook to take the invitations to the street and distribute it and print it. And collaborating with some other activists on the locations of the protests and how it's going to work. And then when did you go to Cairo? I arrived a couple of days before 25th. I stayed in a hotel, actually, because I really wanted to make sure that I'm not under any security threat. On the 25th, I was happy. I saw things happening, and I started to be kind of scared. I started to think that this is becoming very big, and they are going to somehow find me. Uh, On the 26th night, I felt it was very dangerous to remain in the hotel. Mm. I went to one of my friend's apartments, Right after I had dinner with some uh, Google colleagues who were just visiting Egypt by chance, Um, after that, I was kidnapped. I was taken away from the street. Three security guards, you know, or four, I can't remember precisely, basically pushed me down, forced me not to shout or scream, took the phone. uh, And, you know, they sort of paralyzed me so I can't move. And then a car came in a few minutes later. They confiscated everything, including my wallet, my watch, my glasses, uh, my wristband that my wife gave to me, everything. And um, the 11 days struggle started. And while um, what, when you were in custody, what was going on for those 11 days? The first day, I was heavily interrogated for hours. They wanted to try and build any connections. They really believed uh, that the revolution is a conspiracy and that foreign countries want to topple the regime in Egypt and cause chaos. Yeah, they thought Google was in cahoots with the CIA, they told you. (laughs) Yeah, it was was pretty funny to me. And and at the same time, it it was pretty sad that the people who are supposed to be in intelligence in your country do think that this company, which makes profits outside the U.S. much more than it makes inside the U.S., as well as uh, it's built on reputation and privacy of users, would be just a, a CIA agency. And I, I really tried to explain to them. So I had, you know, uh, I was sitting down not talking to anyone blindfolded, handcuffed. So you have all these things that come to your mind. Sometime I feel like if I'm still here, then it must be that things outside are going in the right direction. And on the other hand, sometimes I sit down and was like, the fact that I'm here and no one is asking about me is telling me that the protesters went back home and I'm forgotten. And I know for sure that if, if they want to harm me, they will be able to do so simply because no one knows where I am. You know, at the time, a lot of people died on the 28th, actually hundreds. And, you know, they can just kill me and say that I died in whatever street. 
It was quite a strange period of time. What was it like then emerging into Cairo and finding this revolution at full boil that, in a way, you had started? Well, first, I, I don't really think I started the revolution, and I want to make this clear. And this is not because uh, I'm trying to be modest or belittle what I've done. The fact is, we created a you know an invitation, and when people took to the streets, the actual revolution happened. So it happened in the street. It wasn't my call, really. Um, I I was very happy when I was outside, definitely. When the guy told me that you're going to be free, we found out that you're not guilty and you're going to be out I felt like I was <laughs> reborn. And, you know, when I took to the streets, when I went to Tahrir next day, I felt like I was captured for 11 years hmm. because I'm seeing a new version of Egyptians. All of a sudden, everyone is empowered, passionate. Everyone is trying to tell the nation that Egypt is going to go in the right direction if this happened. Now, one thing that needs explaining is how, as a Google executive prior to your abduction, you were an administrator for a Facebook page. This was a page that you had set up to memorialize the killing of a young Egyptian man at the hands of the Egyptian police. The man's name was Khaled Saeed. Why was the murder of Khaled Saeed uh, so crucial for your own activism? I think that the photo was the most critical part to me and to many of the people. You had seen uh, photographs uh, of, of, his, of his beating uh, after he was beaten and killed. Yeah. Uh, his photo was uh, showed him in a in a horrible state, and when a lot of Egyptians saw the photo, they were shocked, and people started to search for more information about him. And when I looked at it, I thought I have to do something. It's not just about him. I knew that this was systematic, and this has to stop. And there is no way you can stop this except by exposing the regime and putting more pressure on them. It was it was a very, you know, human rights-centric angle mm. that has nothing to do with politics. And this is one of the reasons why the page was very successful. We really stayed away from the politics. You know, when we made the first invitation, easily everyone adopted it. It wasn't like a political party that was, inv- you know, asking everyone to go. If you would have personalized uh, the invitation, when the invitation was put on the page... On the Facebook page, uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the people would have been criticizing the person. Once you personalize the idea, it's much more vulnerable to attacks and to be discredited. Oh, this person is looking for credit. Oh, I question his intention. Oh, he must have political agenda. But the beauty of the Facebook page was that the anonymity added a lot of value. It added a lot of credibility. Let me ask you something about uh, former U.N. weapons inspector Mohamed El-Baradeh. You, you set up uh, the Facebook page for Mr. El-Baradeh, whom you embrace as a possible leader in Egyptian presidential elections. Now El-Baradeh is very concerned about the direction uh, Egypt is taking. He's afraid that the Muslim Brotherhood will like having its parliamentary majority so much and will like having the opportunity to shape the new constitution that they'll strike a deal with the military to let them do as they please. What do you think is going to happen? Where is Egypt headed? I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that we should believe in the democratic process. And I do believe that anyone who comes in through the voting of people should lead the country. Yet, it's very important to make sure that our demands are clear. We want a country that is free and democratic completely, without any exceptional cases for any institution. We cannot tell Egyptian people, you have to choose between democracy and stability. We have to make sure that Egypt is going to go in the right direction. It's a complete democracy. This is why we are calling for presidential election to happen, because this is 
when you would say a complete power transfer has happened. And whomever the candidate that wins this election, we all have to work with because this is the choice of the Egyptian people. You spent some time in the U.S. when you were younger. You married an American woman. You now work for an American company. At the same time, you write angrily in your book about Mubarak's police state, which was supported by the U.S. with vast amounts of money over the years. How do you feel about the U.S.? Well, I I like to differentiate between the U.S. government and, and its policies and the American people. So when it comes to the government, I think as Arabs, not just as Egyptians, we're fairly disappointed with the way the U.S. is dealing with the Arab world. I really think that it was quite evident that the U.S. and other countries uh, in Europe deal with us based on interests only, even if it's against the values of the American people, the values of the European people. You know, dictators need support. Uh, and and this is what exactly we we saw, by the way, in in Egypt. This is what we saw in Tunisia. You mm. really think that dictatorship is so strong, and no one can defeat the dictator, and and the country is is all under control. And all what it took was you know hundreds of thousands of people to take to the streets in Tunisia, and you know a few millions of people in Egypt to take to the streets for 18 days. But but what gives them the ability to survive and continue? is the support they get from outside, the support they also get from inside from people who have interests with the, you know, the continuity of the regime. And I think it's very important now to ask ourselves whether it is good to keep supporting dictators or not. Most of the world problems happen because of dictators who don't represent the will of their people. Wael Ghanim was the administrator of the We Are All Khaled Said Facebook page that helped drive Egypt's revolution last January. His new book is Revolution 2.0, The Power of the People is Greater Than the People in Power. Wael, thank you very much. Great to meet you. Thank you.